Good morning, beloved Orangewood. It is always great to worship God with you. Uh, when we think about electing officers, I just think about what our country is going through right now of electing or thinking about electing our next president. Uh, let's hope that our electing the officers might look a little bit different than uh, what's going on politically in our world, right? Uh, I don't know about you, and I'm not just thinking of the political atmosphere that we live in or the state of our country, the state of our world. Maybe it's I'm just getting older. Uh, maybe that somehow God's grace is getting a little bit greater in my life and I'm longing for more. But I found out that my prayer over and over again is, God, would your kingdom come? God, would your will be done on earth as it is in heaven? May the name of Jesus be more famous. May more people sing his praises. May the world know the truth of the God who is and a God who, who loves and a God who saves. Scripture tells us that there's a day coming where every tribe, tongue, and nation is going to know the truth of Jesus. That every one day, every tongue will confess that he is Lord and every knee will bow. Don't you long for that day? Don't you long for the day where more people are loving our Savior? And it's just, see, what worship does is a taste of heaven. It's a taste of what's to come. That we gather together and we're reminded of a God who is, a God who loves, and a God who's even here with us. So what a joy it is to worship God with you. If you have your Bibles, if you'll turn with me to chapter 6 of John's Gospel, John 6, as we continue our sermon series, we're just two weeks in, to, entitled, I Am, Jesus in His Own Words, that we're going to be looking at, who is this Jesus according to what He says about himself in God's word. And let me just warn you, it's incredible. Every week I stand up here, I feel the same thing. God, your story is so great. Jesus, you are so beautiful. And I just know that I just don't have the ability, I don't have the acumen, the words to, to describe God's word as it should, to tell you the beauty is of Jesus as I should. So I pray for the Holy Spirit to do only what I can't do and to show you Jesus. Because let me tell you, he is glorious, and he is wonderful, and he is great. And we want to see him in his own words. What is it? Come on, tell me, what is it? Have you, have you ever uttered those words after something you've maybe eaten for the very first time, and you're trying to identify what is that taste, and what is in the recipe, and, and what is it that I'm actually eating? Maybe you were in a foreign country. Or maybe you were at someone's house and they were serving you and you had no idea what it was. Maybe it's, what is this? Or maybe it's like, what is it? This is good. Well, what is it is the question that God's people ask the first time that he gave them bread from heaven. The first time that they were able to experience in this midst of wilderness, this bread. It appeared on the ground. It was incredible. It was like God's glory just appeared. I mean, they wake up and, and there it is. And when they taste it, it tastes like sweet. It was like honey. And they said, what is it? So much so that we call it, or the Bible calls it, manna. And manna translated in Hebrew is basically, what is it? What is this bread? Let me tell you the context of what happened. God's people had just experienced an amazing thing. God had heard their cries and, and knew their plight and their pain. And, and God had, had sent a savior named Moses to come and to rescue them. And rescue them, not just anywhere, but out of Egypt, the most powerful country at the time. Isn't that interesting to think Egypt? I mean, the world power. 
And through mighty acts, uh, God has, has raised up his people and he, he judged the Egyptians and the Pharaoh and incredibly brought his people and he was leading them to the promised land. And they had this miraculous crossing of water that God was going to lead his people through the Red Sea and, and amazingly lead them and yet make sure that all the Egyptians who followed them were swept away. And so they find themselves heading to the promised land. And let me tell you, it wasn't around the corner. It wasn't so much that the promised land was so far away, but God to prepare his people and his people who crumbled. It took them 40 years in the wilderness to get there. They had just gone through this miraculous uh, release from slavery. They'd just been set free just to find their feet in really hot sand. And as soon as they got there, they realized my throat is really dry. Provide for me, God. And they started to grumble. And they started to hear the rumble in their tummies. They're saying, what in the world? God got us out here in the middle of the wilderness to kill us, maybe. Wasn't there enough graves in Egypt? So they grumbled and God provides. He provides bread from heaven. And it would appear, and it would appear they would be able to, to take it and eat it and have sustenance. And they ask, what is it? You see, the question, what is it, or who is it, or who is Jesus is a question that's been asked for 2,000 years that, that we are trying to unpack in this study. But the amazing thing about this Jesus is he says that he is the actual bread from heaven. That the whole story in Exodus, the whole story of, of God providing for his people in the wilderness was just a shadow of something that was to come. It was just pointing to the true bread of heaven, name of Jesus. And that Jesus would come and he would feed us this bread of life. And this bread of life, Jesus, he says, if we eat it, we live it forever. Eternal life is ours if we partake of him. So as we continue our series in this I am in John's gospel, we realize once again that when we hear Jesus in his own words in the gospel of John, it goes so far beyond beyond John's gospel. The story of Jesus goes so far beyond just the New Testament that really the story of Jesus is the story of the Bible. He's the hero of the Bible. And once again, we're going to feel, we're going to, we're going to realize that when Jesus says the words, I am the bread of life, he's got a greater story that is unfolding, that is being told. It's the entire Bible story. Well, let me give you a little bit of background. Because we're going to hear Jesus' word, I am the bread of life. Let me give you a context of what is happening in John 6. John 6, wow. Does that have a lot of good stuff in that one chapter? And here's what it's basically going to tell us. In John 6, although we're not going to read this part of the story, Jesus feeds 5,000. Actually, 5,000 men. It was even more than 5,000. And here's the amazing thing about it. He feeds 5,000 people and he does it in a wilderness, in a very deserted place. And guess what he uses? Five loaves of bread, two fish. 5,000 plus are going to be fed. Five loaves of bread, two fish. You ready for this? There's baskets of leftovers. I mean, baskets of baskets, 12 of them. I mean, and everybody's going to have enough to eat. It's absolutely miraculous of what he has done with this bread and with this fish. There's more than what happens in John 6. Not only does he feed 5,000, he also walks on the water. 
After feeding 5,000, Jesus does that what he typically does. He, he spends some time alone with his father. He gets away and as he gets up to pray with his father, his disciples got in a boat and they headed back uh, to Capernaum across the way. And Jesus is going to meet him, but he doesn't take a boat. He uses his sandals and he walks on water. It's, it's absolutely a miraculous crossing after a miraculous feeding. And if you, if you know the Bible, especially if you're a Jewish person who knew the Bible, you knew that this, this story of an amazing feeding in the wilderness and this story of an amazing crossing of water has, is just dripping with biblical content. It's just dripping with a story. And it's basically this. It's reminding everybody the Exodus story of how God fed his people in the wilderness. Miraculous. It's reminding them the story of how they miraculously crossed through the Red Sea. They didn't walk on the water, but God parted it and they walked through the water on dry land. John 6 also tells us about the fact it starts with a crowd. As a matter of fact, in in verse 2, it says that there's a huge crowd gathered because why? They thought the circus was in town. And the circus was named Jesus. And they heard all these signs and the wonders that he was doing. They're showing up saying, man, I can't wait to see the circus, man. This guy's healing people. This guy's like casting demons out. He's doing miraculous stuff. It says they followed him. Crowds followed because they wanted to see the signs. As a matter of fact, we're going to get into our story and see that there's more people who show up, not just for the signs, but people show up because their, their bellies are full. I mean, they just were in the wilderness and they just got one of the best meals they ever had out of five loaves and two fish from this guy named Jesus. And because their bellies were filled, they actually say this, they were seeking after him. They were trying to find him. But at the end of the story, the crowds disperse. At the end of the story, people stop following. As a matter of fact, at the end of the story, there's a mass exodus. A mass exodus. People leave because why? You've got to hear this. They think he's nuts. Because Jesus says these words, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall no longer hunger. And whoever believes in me shall no longer thirst. He says, I am actually the bread. I am actually the sign. And they said, you are actually nuts. And many of them turned and walked with him no more. Let us hear Jesus in his own words. Let us hear what caused the stir in the crowd that many would show up. And let us hear these words of life that for some were just the aroma of death. If you have your Bibles, again, we'll be in John 6. If you don't have it, it'll be printed for you in the bulletin. Also be on the screen behind me. But let's be mindful whether we're talking about the story in Exodus or the gospel of John or Genesis to Revelation. This is God's one story. And it's one story is not just to entertain us, but to transform us and to show us the beauty and the reality of who Jesus is for each one of us. I'm going to pray a little bit before we, we start, because uh, in this passage, I'll probably stop a few times and point a few things out. And I just want to make sure that God anoints and blesses his word. So let's pray together. And Father God, may the words of my mouth and may the meditation of my heart be acceptable and pleasing to you. My Lord, my rock, and my redeemer. In Jesus' name that I pray, amen. We'll pick up the story with that background in John 6, verse 22. 
On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had, had been only one boat there and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. The whole point is like, he clearly walked on water. Just before that was the story of him walking on water. And they're realizing one boat, Jesus not in it. How do you get in it? Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. That's the feeding of the 5,000. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boat and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. Now here you have a crowd of people seeking Jesus because of the feeding of the 5,000. If you want to look into verse 2, you'll see a large crowd followed him because they saw the signs of what he was doing. Verse 25. When they find him on the other side, they said to him, Rabbi, teacher, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of loaves. He knows why they're there. Your tummies are full. It tasted good. You like being a part of that. You want more. And yet he says this in verse 27. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal of authenticity. This is my son. Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God. Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. Let's hit pause. Did you hear that? It's incredible. What must we do to to get this bread? What must we do to get this life? What must we do to get justified in your eyes? And what does God say here and forever through a Bible say? What we must do is believe. Believe that Jesus is who he claimed to be and who the Father sent as our Savior. So they said to him, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Hit pause again. Their bellies are filled with the loaves and fish of 5,000 being fed in that small little quantity. And yet they want to know, hey, by the way, what, what, what miracle are you going to do? What sign? Hello? Hello? But they still didn't get it. They said, our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they said to him, sir, give us this bread always. Give it to us now. Give it to us immediately. We want this. But they really were just wanting to be satisfied and be filled, not wanting Jesus. Verse 35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. 
For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose nothing of all those he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that any, everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. So the Jews grumbled about him because he said, and I love the word grumble. It sounds exactly what was happening in the book of Exodus. I'm the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I've come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to, the, to me unless the father who sent me draws them. And I will raise them up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, uh, and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father, uh, except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that the one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Verse 66. After this, many of his disciples turned back and they no longer walked with him. So Jesus turns to the 12 and says, do you also, do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Again, let us pray. Oh, Father God, these words are according to your word words of life, but to many they were words of foolishness that caused the crowds to be driven away. And God, would you come with power and to speak to each one of our hearts so that not one of us would be able to leave here thinking that you were a lunatic, leave here and walking away from who you are. But show us who you are clearly, Jesus. Show us what it means that you are the bread of life. You are the promised bread from heaven. Show us what it means to, to feed on you and to never hunger or thirst again. Because it sounds crazy. But these are your words. God, give us ears to hear and minds to understand and hearts to embrace and feet to walk in a power worthy of your name. The things that I say that are wrong or just my, my opinion, may those things fall away and be forgotten. But, oh God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, come and feed your people through the preaching of your word and through the gathering at this table. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. If you want to follow along with my outline, I have two points this morning. It's in the bulletin for you. And the first thing is this, is we see that there are those here in John's gospel, John 6, that are seeking the bread that fills our stomachs. Seeking the bread that just fills and satisfies them. The best thing since... The best thing since sliced bread. You know what that means? 
that one time in our world, the best thing was sliced bread. Are you kidding me? (laughs) The best thing since sliced bread. Well, let me tell you a little bit about sliced bread that you didn't know. Otto Frederick Rowetter of uh, Davenport, Iowa, was the first one to invent the life-changing, apparently best thing of a machine that would slice an entire loaf of bread at one time. He did it in 1928. As a matter of fact, he actually did it before that in the early 1900s, and his first prototype was burned up in a fire. So we had to wait for the best thing, like sliced bread, until 28. And once the best thing emerged, guess what company jumped on that and absolutely made it famous? Wonder Bread. If you answered that quickly and you answered that confidently, you're old. (laughs) I was talking with my staff before this. I want to say, I'm going to use Wonder Bread. And they're like, Wonder what? I'm like, Wonder Bread, the same people that brought us Twinkies and Ho-Hos. The most incredible place in the world where you can have sliced bread called Wonder Bread. Let's talk a little bit about Wonder Bread. They use processed flour and bleached wheat that actually added sugar to what they were doing, and they virtually took away every nutrient that could have ever been possible for making bread. It was so bad, I'm not kidding you, the government made them enrich it. What did they enrich it with? What did they put in there to make it enriched wonder bread? Man, that stuff was good. Soft, someone described it as pillowy. I think that that works. It was very filling, but we've come to realize it wasn't very satisfying. It was very filling, but it didn't have a lot of nutritional value. It really, truly wasn't very satisfying. And when it comes to a savior in John chapter six, what the people were really looking for was a wonder bread savior. What they long for, and I gotta say, let's just don't tell it, put the blame on them. Is it not true of our society and our time as well? And what they were looking for was a wonder bread savior, one who was filling, one who would work wonders, one that would blow their mind with these incredible things that he would do. They would say, show us signs. I mean, again, it's amazing. They sat there with full bellies and say, well, what are you gonna do that we can believe that you came from God? What sign and wonder are you going to do And he was basically saying, I'm the sign. I'm the wonder. I'm God in flesh who's come to walk among you. Hello, you just ate your fill from five loaves and two fish. And you're like, what sign? Well, they wanted a wonder bread savior. Not only that, they wanted a wonder bread savior that would fill their stomachs. Uh, People are looking for, for something that would just satisfy and quench or, or actually fill their needs. They're looking for someone that, God, meet my needs. As a matter of fact, they really wanted a wonder bread savior that would fill their needs immediately. When Jesus said to them, listen, there's a bread that's going to come down from heaven and this bread is going to give you life and life eternally. This bread that you take, partake of, it will, it will satisfy your deepest hunger. It'll take away your long, deepest thirst. And here's what they said to him. Give us this bread immediately all the time. You know what they were saying? I want a wonder bread savior that just takes care of every need. I mean, if I have a need, he meets it. 
If I have a prayer, I got to honor. He, 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 he just on it. I mean, always at my beck and call, always at my beck and need, always taking care. Give me that kind of bread immediately so you can fill me, so I can always have enough. And yet Jesus gives them something different. I mean, how crazy are these words? Let me tell you, let's read them again. Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. And whoever is going to come to me and believe in me, he will no longer or she will no longer hunger or she will no longer thirst. We gather once a month on a Tuesday to, to pray together as a, as a larger staff of church and school and preschool and, and to worship together. I tell Jack, I got this. I lead in worship. It's glorious. I don't. Um, but we do get together and pray and we do get together. And I, I, I floated this out to the folks. I said, now let me ask you guys a question. When Jesus says, if you come to him, and he's the bread of life that you'll never hunger or you'll never thirst. Do you believe it to be true? And they're smart. I think they said yes and no at the same time. Yeah, no. Because we love Jesus, but we still hunger. We love him, but we still thirst. And I think that the, really, the reality is this. Are we hoping to be full or are we longing to be satisfied? Let me ask you that again. Are, are you, do you come to God? Are, are you hoping to be full or are you longing to be satisfied? Because the reality of God is this, is to give you deep, unbelievable satisfaction. Knowing and being known and loved and loving the God of the universe, the only one who could speak deeply into your soul and life. But the one who could also not necessarily fill all the things that are broken, not necessarily fill all the things that are empty. Are you longing for a God that, that is going to make you full? Or are you longing for a God that's going to give you satisfaction? You know, yesterday was a rare day. It was an awesome day. Uh, my son, Caleb, who, who plays for Rollins, uh, those heathen dogs have a game this afternoon on a Sunday. He can't be here with me, but he had a rare Saturday off. And so we redeemed our Saturday and we, we played golf. And we don't have a chance to do that very often on a weekend. And through the generosity of a friend, we played at a really nice golf course. And I got to tell you, a lot of the times I was not only enjoying the beauty of God's creation, I was looking at the houses thinking, oh my goodness, look at some of these. Woo! How many families live in that thing? I remember at one of those poignant moments where you have father, son, and we're teeing off on this one hole. And I, we looked over and there's this big house and it had this incredible pool and deck area. And, and we were just admiring. I said, now, Caleb, let me ask you a question. Do you think we'd be any happier in that house? Pregnant pause, pause, pause. I broke the silence and said, I think we'd be a little happier. Because <laughs> something in my flesh longs to be full and something in my, in my being longs for more. Don't you? I mean, isn't it amazing that we never have enough? It wasn't a Rockefeller who was asked, uh, how much money is enough? And he said, just a little more. And yet the reality is, is God's put eternity in our hearts. What can fill eternity? You see, the world is going to try to offer you a sense of being full. The world will say, look for a savior that will make you be full. But Jesus is the only one. Jesus is God's unique son who will give you satisfaction to your soul and the longing that you really have to be known and to be loved. 
The world can't fill the satisfaction. Or they can't fill that satisfaction, or even the eternity in our hearts. I love what God says in Ecclesiastes 3. I continue to go back to that. It says this of all of us, that God has put eternity in our hearts. What fills eternity? Is the world big enough to fill it? Is there enough stuff? Is there enough money? Is there enough fame and fortune and sex to fill the eternity in our halls? No, we can't. You're made for something so much more. You were not made to be filled with what the world has to offer. You were meant and made and redeemed to be satisfied with the God who is. The world can't satisfy your soul, only Jesus can. And Jesus is always enough. What does that mean? I mean, seriously, I I wrestle this in my own life. What does it really mean that Jesus is enough? What does it really mean that I'll not hunger or thirst? Because the truth is, like, all the time. But it's the reality is, he is enough. That Jesus is enough. His righteous life is enough to robe a sinner like me. That Jesus is enough. That his shed blood really was powerful enough to make this sinner whiter than snow. That Jesus is enough. His resurrected life gives you and me life and life abundantly. That Jesus is enough is our high priest who right now intercedes for us by the Father's right hand. It's enough. That Jesus' promises that he will make all things new. That Jesus' promises that he will make sure that we make it home. And that one day we will see him face to face. Jesus is enough. No matter what your circumstances say, no matter what the mirror tells you, Jesus will always be enough. He's God Almighty. And he might have to work in such a powerful way that he changes our wants. And he might have to remind us over and over again that it's not about filling us so that we could be full, but satisfying us. How many times have you ever eaten a meal and you're so full you said, I will never eat again? I've done it. Maybe more than you, because I'm a biscuit away from like 300 pounds, right? So, I mean, there's been times, I mean, I've eaten and I've, I've gotten my fill. I mean, eating so much that I've really said those words, I will never eat again. And two hours later, you look in the refrigerator, what's in there? And we got nothing in here. Why? Because I know what it's like to be full, but I long to be satisfied. And there's so much more of that in our souls than it is in our stomachs. And a satisfaction that will never run dry. Here's the beautiful thing. That all of your needs and all of your brokenness, that each one of us can run to Jesus and he'll never run dry. He's not going to run dry tomorrow. He's not running dry today and for forever. That Jesus is sufficient for all of your needs. He's going to carry you and he's going to be enough for you. And you're going to make it home. And every one of us knocking on heaven's door and saying, God, help. God, pleading, please come. He'll never run dry. 700 years before Jesus appeared, the prophet Isaiah said this, Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money, without price. Why do you spend your life, why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in rich food. Jesus says, come, come, because the world will never allow you to know what it feels like to be satisfied. It promises fulfillment, but it'll leave you wanting. Secondly, and lastly, 
feeding on the living bread that satisfies our souls. Remember what I just read to you out of Ephesians or out of Isaiah 55. Here's Jesus' own words in Matthew 11, verses 29 and 30. Come to me, all you who are labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest, rest for your soul, satisfaction. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus says, listen, the only way you'll be satisfied is to come to me. I'm living bread. The best thing has never been sliced bread. The best thing ever, listen, is broken bread. The best thing ever is broken bread because Jesus is the true bread of heaven who has come down for us. And he has come for us and it's through his brokenness, it's through his body being broken, it's through his blood being shed that he is going to rescue us, that he is going to purchase us. It's through the broken bread of Christ that we can find redemption, healing, and life. The greatest thing has never been sliced bread, it's been broken bread. Because in Christ Jesus, it's not one who's just going to blow our minds with miracles. It's going to transform our minds to make them more like Christ. He's the Savior that's come to satisfy our very souls. Even in the midst of death, even as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, Jesus is with us and he is enough. Jesus says, I'm going to come and provide daily bread for you. One of the things I love about the story in Exodus, when it showed up, when this man showed up, Here's what Jesus said. He said, now listen, here's what I want you to do. I want you to collect enough. If you have a large family, collect a lot. And if you have a few small family, collect a little. And it says this. It says those who collected a lot, they didn't have any left over. It's amazing. And those who collected a few, a little bit, they never went hungry. It was incredible. And they had this every day. But he says this to them. But I don't want you to collect any more than the daily provision. Don't collect any more than that. I want to provide for you every day. Shows up on the ground. They thought, this is good stuff. I know he said, don't get some extra, but let's hoard it. Let's get some for tomorrow. What if it doesn't show up tomorrow? What if God's arms all of a sudden become too short? What if God doesn't provide? We're out here in the middle of the wilderness. What if, what do we do? Let's get some more. So they did. They gathered more and they disobeyed God than the daily provision. And guess what happened to it? it became filled with worms and it stunk. You see, there's something about God that doesn't want you to hoard. There's something about God that doesn't want to give you more than a daily supply of grace. Why? Because I think if he gave us more, we'd forget him, wouldn't we? We'd walk away from him. There's something beautiful about a daily walk with Jesus, that he is sufficient. There's only one day that they were to gather more than one day's worth, and that was ready for the Sabbath, because on the Sabbath they were supposed to worship, and they were supposed to not work. There's one day that God wanted to show this day, gather a little bit more because I'm going to provide for you. An amazing thing happened when the Sabbath came, and it wasn't filled with worms. They didn't stink, they could eat it. How many of you are running so hard because you don't believe that God's gonna provide for you? How many of you are on a rat race that you just can't get out of and you're so fearful, if I stop running, something's gonna happen? And you're gonna run yourself absolutely ragged and you're gonna say, God, catch up to me and bless me. And he's like, listen, I wanna provide for you. I wanna have satisfaction in your soul. I wanna be your identity. I wanna be your joy. I wanna be your purpose. I wanna show up every day and be there for you. And all we can do is say, well, let me just hoard a little bit more so I don't even have to think of you. So I don't have to worry about tomorrow. 
And I think that's where we find ourselves in a culture like ours, that we, that we long for more and long for more and long for more. And we don't even know what does it mean that God has asked us to ask for our daily bread. Because he wants to be a daily supply to us. Jesus is enough. Let me ask you this question as we close. Are you looking for Jesus to be the wonder bread savior for you? Are you looking for a, a, a savior that will just blow your mind and fill your stomach? Are you looking for Jesus to satisfy your very soul? Do you want Jesus to be a sugar daddy that meets all your needs or a savior that you bow your life to? Jesus is the bread of life for all of you who hunger and thirst. Come and partake and feed on Christ again. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you that you personally sent your son the true bread of heaven to come, to come and to give life and life abundantly, to be broken, to be broken bread so that we could feed, feed on your love and your grace and your mercy and the work of your son. And incredibly through his brokenness, we are healed. God, come and remind us of this incredible gift you've given to us. Remind us of the sacrifice. God, as we give our tithes and offerings, bless them and prepare our hearts to meet you at the table. We pray in Christ's name, amen.